Good morning. My name is Jess, and I'm a volunteer here at Arlington Countryside Church. At ACC, we believe that no matter where you are on your faith journey, new life can be found in Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to sing some songs together, and we're going to hear from God's Word. And I hope that wherever you are joining us from, you can feel free to engage and participate in a way that brings you closer to God. A few announcements before we get started. The first is that somewhere on this screen, you should see a link to a communication card. Find that, fill it out, please. There's a spot for prayer requests. If you'd like to keep them confidential, please mark that and they won't be sent to the church body. But if you would like to share them with the church body, add those prayer requests so we can lift each other up in prayer. Also on the communication card, if you're new here, please mark, I'm new here. We would love to get you connected with some more resources about our church. One more thing on the communication card, if you have children and you're not already receiving the Sunday school materials, please mark that so that we know that we can start sending that to you. We would love to have this resource for your family. Two events that are coming up that I'm really excited about. The first is an outdoor movie night. We are going to have on the lawn of the church on August 21st. It's a Friday at 730. You can start showing up and the movie is going to play at dusk. The movie is to be announced, but it is going to be a fun time. The Kona ice truck is going to be there. We'll have popcorn. It'll be a gorgeous night, Lord willing. And we will get some time to socially distance and see each other in person and watch a movie together. So I'm looking forward to that. Hope that you can, can come mark your calendars and check out acchurch.org slash events for more information. Last one, and then I'll be done with my announcements, I promise. So uh, the last one is another thing I'm really excited about. It's on September 19th. A group of volunteers from Arlington Countryside Church are going to have the opportunity to serve a community member by painting the exterior of their house. We're working with an organization that uses full volunteers to serve a senior or a disabled member or or a veteran of, of our community, the suburbs, and we will transform this house in one day from a maybe falling apart old painted to something that looks shiny and new. And it is a wonderful experience. If you want more information, please go to our website. I'm I'm actually one of the leaders of the or of the service day. So I would love for you to be there. We, we need you. We want you. Please come. Thank you so much. Pray 
Somebody once quipped, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a McDonald's makes you a hamburger. True, right? But what I would add to that is if you do want a Big Mac, McDonald's is the place to go. And so when thinking about getting in touch with the one true God, I wouldn't hesitate for a moment to say that church is the place to go. For thousands of years, God's people have had a prescribed place and time to come together to worship. Uh, we've experienced that now in this weird time of this pandemic. We're not physically gathering together on Sunday mornings. Uh, that's a privilege that um, we currently don't have. We'll get it back again someday, but not right now. And so virtually we get together. Uh, but 
Um, over the years, there's a common excuses for people not gathering to worship with other believers. Uh, a few of the most common excuses people have for not going to church is, one, it's my only day to sleep in. And I've actually heard this a number of times from people who are very apologetic. They're not coming regularly, but they say, I got a busy life, I'm running tired, and Sundays are my only day to sleep in. Another common excuse uh, that we hear is that uh, there's too many hypocrites, too many people who don't take their faith serious and uh, too many live in a two-faced life and it just is repulsive to me and there's just too many hypocrites and that keeps people away from the church. Another common excuse for not attending worship is my mother made me go when I was young. Uh, I think almost anybody who's grown up attending church has gone through a phase like that, right? I remember, for me, it was probably about when I was in middle school that uh, uh, I hated church, and my parents had to physically drag me out the door to go to church. It just wasn't my thing. I wasn't interested. I thought it was pretty boring. Um, the truth is, the stats are pretty alarming. We know from specific, uh, uh, reliable research that has been done that over the years recently, more and more people are attending church less and less often. It wasn't long ago, just a decade or two ago, that the typical Christian went to church pretty much every Sunday. That's no longer true. And so now, people who used to attend every single week, week in, week out, month in, month out, are now attending about twice a month. And those who only came a couple of times a month are only coming once a month. And those who used to come just once a month are now coming once every couple of months and, and so on. And we've also heard statistics that said that during this pandemic, that about 50% uh, of the people who were originally tuning in to virtual services, you know, online services, 50% of the people have dropped off in the last five to six months since this pandemic has started. And so unfortunately, um, the idea of a person claiming to be a Christian and yet not attending worship regularly is becoming more and more of a thing. But the truth is this, with all that said, many do decide to attend worship regularly. And that's a good thing. It's a good decision because it's one of the most important acts of a life that's dedicated to following Jesus. Psalm 122 is perfect for this subject, the psalm we're looking at today, because Psalm uh, 122 is extolling worship. It's an example of what people of faith have done all the time, everywhere in the world. They gather together in an assigned place at an assigned time and worship their God together. Again, Temporarily, we're not able to physically. Um, did you take it for granted? I know I did. And now that I'm denied gathering together physically with God's people, man, do I miss it. I can't wait till we're back together. I hope you feel the same way too. But in the meantime, we've got to persevere. In the meantime, we've got to remain faithful and we've got to just make the best of what we can. And that means being faithful in attending virtual services. And if at all possible, the live at 9 o'clock or 10.30 is ultimately, I think, the best choice. Uh, and so uh, our scripture today 
A psalm of worship is Psalm 122. So let's read this. Psalm 122, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem, a psalm of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are, standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. Here stands the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would um, illuminate the scriptures to us, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that, Father, we would understand uh, what you are seeking to communicate to us here, and then once we understand, we would faithfully and obediently apply the truths to our lives. And so, uh, Lord, may we benefit from this time in your word. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Now, a key to understanding this song is questioning the very first line, because David says, I was glad. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Hey, David, we're going to worship. Come with us, man. And David said, I love it. It makes me glad that we're going to worship together. And so a key to understanding this song is questioning why. Why was David so glad to worship with others? Because I think therein holds the key for why it's important for us and why it's beneficial for us. And so as we look at the psalm, we see the first reason why David was glad to worship was because he knew that worship provides structure and stability. Worship provides such badly needed structure and stability in our lives. Again, take a look at verse 3 and 4. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. At least three times a year, the faithful Hebrew would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship and to offer their sacrifices. And in fact, what this teaching series is all about, Psalms 120 through Psalm 134 are the Psalms of Ascent. They were songs specifically written for the pilgrims to sing while they were on the road heading towards Jerusalem to worship, to prepare their hearts for the sacrifice and the worship they were about to give. And so the faithful Hebrew consistently went to Jerusalem to worship God. And this constant, regular ritual reminded them of some basic foundational truths, just a small sampling. It reminded them that God created you, that God redeemed you, that God has provided for you, that God has been merciful to you, and that he forgives you. It reminded them that God is holy and inherently deserves worship. 
and on and on and on. These basic spiritual truths got hammered into their brains with each and every trip they took. I want to suggest to you that this ritual that they were obedient to provided grounding for them, stability. They knew who they were as a people. It kept them centered. It gave them a framework for their life. Now, I've got to tell you, that sounds so appealing for me. I think it's a desperate need of ours, especially in the time in which we live, where the world seems so unstable and it's changing so rapidly that we find a way to bring stability and structure into our hearts and into our own lives. Now, what's interesting is that in the way David talks here in these lyrics, Jerusalem itself was an architectural metaphor for worship. He mentions Jerusalem and he says, it's a well-built city, seamless walls that cannot be breached. There were no loose stones in the wall, no leftover pieces, no unsightly or dangerous gaps in this wall. And of course, in ancient times, for a city to be a legit city, it had to have strong walls that could keep out marauders and thieves and invading armies. And a wall was vital for the security of a city. And so David thinks about this, reflects on this characteristic of Jerusalem, and it's a metaphor for worship, that when we worship, we feel the stability, the security, like a well-built wall. We feel put together. It grounds us, it stabilizes us, it gives us a framework for life, and we know who we are. We know where we stand. I was fortunate enough to be raised in a Christian home, and we went to church every Sunday. And it was a it was a very small neighborhood church, and I have such great memories. And, and I can remember that we sat in the same seat, and everybody in our church sat in the exact same place every Sunday morning. And it was the exact same people every Sunday morning. Everybody knew everybody's name. And, and there was just a sense of unity. There was a sense of family, of it being comfortable, of it being familiar. And every Sunday, it would be the same liturgy. Every Sunday, we would recite the Apostles' Creed together. And even as a child, I have specific memories of my taking comfort in the routine, in the stability of that environment, and it gave me structure and stability. This really speaks to the need that we all have for attending worship regularly. Now, this certainly goes against current trends, but you know what? I think you and I need to buck those current trends, and we need to make weekly worship attendance a huge priority in our lives. And so I want to encourage you during this pandemic, when we are scattered together, to remain faithful and regular in tuning in to our services. And I would strongly encourage you, clear your schedule and and don't be satisfied with just tuning in whenever you can, but try to make it a value to join us live at nine o'clock or 1030. Trust me, if you haven't tried that already, there's a different feel to it. You sense you're with others and it's more corporate worship-like. You really don't feel as isolated. And if there's any way your schedule can allow you, I'd encourage you to do that. Actually watch the service at nine o'clock or 1030 if you possibly 
can. Now, there's a second reason within this psalm of why David loved to go to worship. It made him glad, and it's because of this. David realized that worship nurtures our relationship with God. He said at the latter half of verse 4, they come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. It was the ancient church father, Augustine, who said, a Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. That's who we are to be, people of thankfulness, people of praise to God. And worship is where we come together to obey the command to praise him. It's a requirement for us. It's a command for us to come together and praise God. And in so doing, it nurtures our relationship with God. And we were created to have this relationship with God. And so when we're obedient to this, it does something special to us. I want to suggest that we are most in touch with our core being when we are actively engaged in worshiping God. It ultimizes like who we are as a people. As an individual, you feel the most centered when you are doing what you were created to do. And so when we nurture our relationship with God and we intentionally worship him, it just gives us a sense that, man, we are exactly where we should be. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 25. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love uh, and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Let me repeat that. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. There have always been people who haven't been consistent in attending worship, right? That's not new. But don't let it happen to you. Don't neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Just the simple act of you and I attending worship together regularly can be an encouragement to those around us. And the writer to the Hebrews says that meeting together is one of the keys to persevering in our faith. If we are to remain faithful to Christ and not get distracted or not abandon our walk of faith, a key ingredient in persevering is meeting together regularly for worship. And the New Testament teaches this. The New Testament teaches that worship is a logical response to all that God has done for us. In other words, it just makes sense for you and I to worship when we take a few seconds to think about what God has done for us through Christ. Romans 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It's our logical response to God in light of all that he's done for us to present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice and make this our sacrifice of praise to him. 
So you see, it's really not a stretch for me to say that this sacrifice we make of our lives to God includes the one hour on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 10.30 that can make all the difference in our lives. Now, at this point, there might be some people thinking, well, can't we worship God privately? The answer is, of course we can. And of course, we should worship God privately. Sunday morning shouldn't be the only time we worship God, but private worship doesn't take the place of corporate worship. It shouldn't and it can't. Now, I want to take a minute to address a common issue. A common objection that I hear is someone will state something along the lines of, well, I don't feel like it. I don't, I don't feel like coming to church. And wouldn't that be hypocritical of me to come to church when I don't feel like it? My heart really wouldn't be in it, and I'd just be going through the motions, and God really wants me to keep it real. And so shouldn't I just stay home if I don't feel like worshiping? Shouldn't I just don't worry about it? I don't need to bother showing up. Well, let me tell you what David would say, the author of this psalm. Based upon what he wrote here in Psalm 122, I think David would say this. He would say to the person who uses that reasoning that they don't feel like going to worship, therefore they won't go to worship. I think David would say, tough tacos. I think he would say, tough tacos. I don't care. Get your rear in gear and make your way to Jerusalem the way you're supposed to. You see, emotions had nothing to do with it. It was a matter of obedience. They were commanded by the word of God. Make your pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Offer your sacrifice. That's what the people of God do. Worship is a command. The law requires it. It's not just when you feel like it. So do you ever feel like not going to church? Of course, there's times where you don't feel like going to church. I understand. Folks, I'm a pastor, and there's some Sundays where I'd wake up and I'd give my right arm to not have to go to church. I have to, right? I have to show up. But there's some Sundays where I wish I could stay in bed, where I could stay in my house. Uh, but you know what? I go, to be honest, because I have to, not because I feel like it. Some Sundays, most Sundays I want to, right? But here's what I've always found to be true, that on the Sundays where I least want to go, I force myself to go and it ends up being awesome. And the truth is, I've never once forced myself to go to church and regretted it. Every time I've gone, even when I haven't wanted to, when I got home at the end of the morning, I was like, I am so glad I went to church. God had something for me that morning, and I'm so glad I didn't miss it. And I know some of you have shared with me, you've had the same experience. That times you've gone to church in a bad mood or not really wanting to, and you did, you're like, boom, God met you there, and it was so awesome and so worth it. And so it's a reminder to us to not be controlled by our emotions, but to simply be obedient. The truth is we can act our way into a new way of feeling far easier than feeling our way into a new way of acting. You've probably heard the advice before, if you don't feel very loving towards someone, just act loving towards them. Do good deeds of love towards them. And eventually, you'll start feeling love towards that person. And I want to suggest that sometimes that's the way it is with worship. You may not feel very worshipful, but do 
acts of worship, as uh, an act of volition, as an act of your will, sing, raise your hand, pray, listen to the scriptures being taught, interact with other believers, do acts of worship, and your feelings will catch up, but it begins with the act. The truth is, for many of us, if we only worshiped, if we only went to church when we were feeling like it, maybe we'd end up never going back. And that would, of course, not be good. So don't let your feelings dictate whether or not you come to worship. Unfortunately, I think if you do allow your feelings to dictate that, you will likely begin to worship less and less. Finally, why would David be so pumped to go worship with others? What made him glad? I want to suggest the final truth we see here in Psalm 122 is because worship centers our attention on the mind of God. Worship centers our attention on the mind of God. He said in verse 5, Here stands the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. In other words, these judgments that were pronounced from the thrones of David weren't the opinions of men and women. It wasn't a compilation of human wisdom that these judgments, this advice, that wisdom being handed down were the very word of God. That you could know the mind of God by coming to worship and hearing the judgments the wisdom being handed down. Now, this word judgment carries this idea as used here. This judgment was the decisive word by which God straightens things out and put, puts things right. It's a clear, definitive, decisive word, and with it, God straightens out a broken world. Not words just simply about things, but it's words that do things. It's a word, it's a judgment that puts love in the motion, that applies mercy and grace, that applies forgiveness in experienced reality, that rebukes wrong, and it initiates justice. And so God's decisive judgments brings an uh, initiative to our life that helps us live like Jesus lived and, and live a life that God would have us live here on earth. <clears throat> when we gather together to worship, God's word is read. God's word is taught. Those decisive judgments are communicated. We are instructed by them. We are directed by them. We are encouraged by them. And it reinforces for us to think Christianly. Whenever we worship, our minds are informed, our memories refreshed. We need that. We need that. When we worship, our minds are informed, our memories are refreshed. And we need that refreshing. We need those reminders regularly. And when we put ourselves under the teaching of God's Word, underneath the reading of God's Word, it shapes who we are. Now, I want to encourage you, resist being cynical about the church. I think it's a pretty fashionable thing, at least in some uh, are, some uh, areas of, of uh, Christianity, to be very critical of the church, uh, to be very cynical of the church. And 
I've actually heard some people make a statement like, well, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. I love Jesus, but I can do without the church. I have a lot of problems with that attitude, with that statement. The church is the beloved bride of Christ. And so to make a statement like, oh, I love Jesus, but can't stand the church. That's just like saying to somebody, I love you, man, but I can't stand your wife. I mean, I dig you, we're buddies, but your wife is gross. She is such a hypocrite. I can't stand being around her. Well, let me ask you, what would it do to that relationship? That wouldn't be acceptable, right? And Christ loves his bride unconditionally. His bride hasn't arrived. The church is very flawed very imperfect, but that doesn't change the fact that Christ is 100% backing his bride, the church, and will never abandon his bride and thinks the best of his bride and is working on the church to become all that he wants the church to be. But it's definitely, obviously, a work in progress. The church having hypocrites the church having issues, the church having hidden agendas, the church having a dark underbelly. Folks, that's not some phenomenon to this century. The first century church, why was almost the entire New Testament written? The entire New Testament, all the epistles were written by Paul or by Peter because there were problems in the church. And I don't mean little problems, I mean big problems. And the church has always had issues, and the reason why is because the church is made up of broken, flawed people like you and me. So we want our churches to be Christ-like. We want our church to set an example for others. We want our church to be a good testimony in our community, right? But when it's all said and done, the church is just broken people coming together seeking healing. And so the church is not going to be perfect. It's not a viable option. For you and I to say we love Jesus, but we can do without the church. It's, it's not God's will. If you do indeed find a church that doesn't have any hypocrites or any problems, let me encourage you, don't join that church because you'll ruin it. Last thought, and with this, we're going to conclude. I want to remind you that worship doesn't satisfy our hunger for God. It whets our appetite. That Sunday morning for an hour won't be enough. Never claim that it would be all you need for the next seven days. But what it does, it whets your appetite for your private worship, for your private devotions, for your private time in God's word, for your private prayer, for your private uh, uh, uh time walking with God. That public worship, that coming together doesn't satisfy your hunger. It whets your appetite. And then that hour you invest, when you fully engage, it overflows and permeates the entire week coming up and will make a difference in your walk with Jesus. And so worship, it provides badly needed structure and stability to our lives. And in this particular time in which we live, to me, this is the number one benefit of corporate worship, even if it's virtual corporate worship. 
is it provides structure and stability to our lives. Worship nurtures our relationship with God. We need it in order to be obedient and, and to get to know God better. And finally, this worship, this gathering together reminds us about the word of God, his instruction and his encouragement aimed directly at us. David said he was glad to worship. Are you? Are you glad to worship? I hope so. I really do. But if you're not, I hope you'll take time to figure out why aren't you? If you're not glad to worship, that's a yellow flag. Maybe it's a red flag. And you need to take time to do some introspection and think, why am I not glad to gather with my brothers and sisters in Christ to worship? That's something you need to pray about, you need to think about. I would love to interact with you. Feel free to email me or text me or call me or one of our other ACC staff and we love to help you process through that so you can come to a place where worship brings joy and gladness to your heart because that's what it should do. And now I want to introduce you to a video we'd like to show you. I saw this uh, last week, I think for the first time, and it blew my mind. It gave me goosebumps. It brought a smile to my face. I thought it was so encouraging, so exciting, so well done. It's a video of the celebration that took place in Papua New Guinea as the huge milestone was reached where in the Nali language, the language of these uh, tribal people, where half of the New Testament has now been translated into their language. They now have half the New Testament in their mother tongue. What an incredible joy to have the Word of God, something that you and I take for granted. But these people, for the first time now, have half the New Testament in their own language. This is the tremendous life work of our missionaries, Jerry and Sue Faf. Jerry and Sue are such choice servants of God, and it's been ACC's privilege to be partnering with them for many years. And I want you to know that what you're about to see happened because of your faithful prayers, because of your faithful financial support. The Fafs have been able to build a team of believers in New Guinea, and they've been working hard and bringing the Word of God, uh, the joy of the Word of God to these people, and it's so fun to see. Two of our own, uh, Carol Reck and Linda Kroll, were there. They actually traveled to Papua New Guinea and were there as a part of this celebration you're about to see. So check it out right now. You'll love it. It's a top class by Lugim, name Blanc Pitin. Not just in a tin. Suppose top class by me, you finish. Old name Blanc Old Dewey, not Pitin, not Fish, by all the money. By no more.
remember special time, long history, Blong Nali Tokyo. History Blong Nali Tokyo is starting on Genesis chapter 11. Thank God, it time to get the top place, he came up from place ground. But me saying long finish, long history, long book, long revelation. God, he talk. Time you me sign up, long share king, long papa God. If I got representative, long all get the country, all get the kind skin, all get the kind top place by staff. Now top place, not it to by staff. By what can I talk? Everything will pass away, but your word will remain. One him kind something where he like delay more, he not stop him. Delay come long rain today, delay come long coronavirus, but God he not long stop, now he not long losing thing, long you blow get out. People like engaging love, hunter to Papa Boy. People like a faith, people like a belief, just put a talk, and we got power. That is our power by essential life for all man. Thank you, Mr. Day, and we want to put a day with your testimony to life to you. But you witness a blessing, Lord, beginning every meal tomorrow. You witness a blessing, Lord, tomorrow, every meal tomorrow. To God be the glory, great things He has done. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, it just, it's, it's just so exciting. Uh, it, it shot me with adrenaline and it made me so grateful for the work of Jerry and Sue and for God's faithfulness. Uh, every person in the world, every person around the world needs to know that Jesus loves them and has provided a way for them. And so I'd like to pray. I'd like us to pray now for the, for, uh, uh, the Nali people and for the Fafs and for the continued work that's taking place there. So please join me in prayer. Father God, I want to thank you so much for this celebration of the translation of your word into the Nali language. God, so much blood, sweat, and tears, so much time was invested in reaching this milestone. And so, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for faithful men and women who've labored over many long years 
to get to this point. God, we thank you especially for Jerry and Sue. And Father, right now as they're back in the States um, on furlough, uh, getting a little bit of rest and refreshment, Lord, we thank you for their lives. We thank you for their effective ministry and, and, and for the fruit of it that we saw in this video. And Father, during this year that they're back home, God, we pray that um, you would renew their spirits, that you would refresh their bodies physically, and that you'd allow them the opportunity to spend time with family and friends, and they can make the connections they need to. Father, we pray for all the people of Papua New Guinea, and we ask, Father, that their hearts would be open to the truths of your word, and that, Father, as this Nali um, scriptures are read by them, that it would speak very deep to their innermost being, to their innermost heart, that, Father, the truths of your word would penetrate their hearts and minds and would help them to turn their lives over to Jesus Christ and to live for him. God, we're so grateful for all that's taking place in PNG, and we ask that you would continue to pour your Holy Spirit upon this country that more and more men, women, and children would come to a saving knowledge of you. We pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen.
Let's now take time. Oh, I don't want to do that in my glasses. All right. <laughs> Let's now take time to pray for our offering. You can give in several different ways, either a link on the page, you could mail in a check, uh, or you can give online at acchurch.org slash give. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for all the people who are generous givers at ACC. Thank you that uh, we use these resources to further your kingdom and to share the gospel with our neighbors, coworkers, and friends. Uh, I pray that as we do that right now, that uh, the leadership team uh, will use it well, that we'll steward our resources uh, to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. Now please receive this benediction. May the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace and serve him.